I, you can, if you care to, you can open your Bibles to Esther chapter 9. Esther 9. I'm actually going to be starting with verse 22. Um, also, just keep a check on the church calendar on the website because that gets updated on a regular basis. If you're wondering when something's going to happen, where it's going to happen, it is on the website. So please uh, just use the calendar. Um, and if you've not updated your personal information on the website lately, mainly emails, uh, phone numbers for text messages, Please do that because we send out blasts and if the information's incorrect, you don't get it. And some of you don't get it because I get a bunch of, of uh, bleeps back on my phone of everybody that didn't get the message. So check in on that and make sure you're up to date. Esther chapter 9. So, you know, we know the story of Esther and, and Mordecai and Haman and, you know, the whole, the whole deal. And, and it looked like Haman had really set the trap and the Jews were going to be killed and he had it all worked out. And then there was Esther. Um, and so verse 22 says, As the days of which the Jews got relief from their enemies... And on the month that had been turned to them from sorrow into gladness, from mourning into a holiday, that they should make them days of feasting and gladness, days of sending gifts of food to one another and gifts to the poor. So I'm starting the Christmas story in Esther this year because there's a bunch of people, and I must say in my history I was one of them at times, that we criticize Christmas. It's too commercial. It's too this. It's too that. We're all focused on gifts. We're we, we have all the things, you know, and it's like, no, it's just got to be Jesus. We just got to be focused on Jesus. Well, that is true, and it is true that we can overblow things and, you know, all that kind of stuff. That's all true. But what's more true is that at a certain time, at a certain place, in a certain country, it looked like the Jews were done. Haman had set the trap. Everything was set, and it was just waiting for him to do the execution. And Mordecai, who was, God came and was anointing and, and positioning, Mordecai then goes to Esther. And, you know, you're, I know you're familiar with the story. And when he goes to Esther, he says to her, you know, this is your hour for such a time as this is you. And you need to step up. And if you don't step up, God will step someone else up, but you're the one that's supposed to step up. And so Esther did at the risk of her life, um, at, of all the uncertainty that it meant, she did it. And ultimately, as you read through, when you get to, to 9, a little earlier in 9, Esther has a dinner party, invites Haman and the king, and she approaches the king. And, you know, of course, at that point, for even though she was uh, one of the queens, but 
still in that culture, a queen just didn't walk into the king and go, yo, dude, what you thinking? <laughs> you know, it, it was a whole different, whole different culture. The queen could not only not be queen, she could lose her life for approaching the king improperly, approaching the king when he said, I don't want to be approached. Well, then she was done. But she risked her life to come before the king, tells of the plight that they're in. The king becomes very angry and said, who is this that's plotted this thing? And she goes, oh, he's sitting right there. His name is Haman. To which Haman went, oh, man. I think he said something else, but I'll just leave it that because it's Sunday morning. Because he knew, he knew it was up. He knew that the, the, his plan had been foiled. And ultimately, you know, the gallows that Haman had built to execute Mordecai and the Jews were the gallows that he was hung on. And this is aside from the Christmas thing, but one thing I've seen over and over and over again in life is that those that plot evil ultimately die on the gallows they construct. Over and over and over again, I've watched that. It may seem like it's not going to turn around. It may seem like this is an impossible situation. Sometimes it is an impossible situation, but God. And God will raise up people in situations that lead to the destruction of those that plot evil. So in this opening uh, verse of, Hes of Esther, chapter 9, Haman's plot was discovered, oppression of evil uh, was ended, and death was turned to life. Esther, at the request of Mordecai, had given her life to bring liberation to the people. Now, she didn't literally die, obviously, but she gave her life, from my view, just from the standpoint of willingness to do something that could have cost her her life, but it cost her nonetheless. And as the result of that, the celebration of freedom was filled with feasting, gladness, gift-giving, and remembering the poor. Luke chapter 2, verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you, and you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those whom he is pleased. So in innocence, Jesus has taken on our humanity. The declaration has been shouted, heaven and earth joined together as glory and peace fill the earthly atmospheres. In the same way that it, in, in Esther and why I wanted to start there, in the same way that there's darkness over the land, there's, a, there's oppression over the people, there's this place where we're in an inescapable doom. There's, there's no way out of this. The, the political powers of the day have already made a decision that's contrary to my life. And yet, in God, 
Esther comes on the scene. Here, in Luke, it's like, again, there's gloom on the land. There's oppression on the land. The Jews are, are held captive once again. Their life is nothing more than just property. They were, they were slaves under another empire. And all that was there, and yet in this moment, God steps in, and he again uses a place of innocence in the same way that with, with Esther, it wasn't with arms, it wasn't with an army, it wasn't with uh, espionage and secret plotting to, to assassinate this one or assassinate that one. It was simply with a queen who asked to approach the king, and upon approaching the king, pointed out what was about to happen. So in, in, for Esther, now I know when the king got word of it, Haman was killed. But with Esther, it was in a place of innocence. And this place where heaven and earth now come together, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those whom he is well pleased. Anytime that God begins to move and there starts to be a shift in things, it's always an invasion of heaven coming into the earth realm and the earth realm being taken up into the heavenly realm. And those two, mar those two marry together that the plans and purposes of God come on the earth. And as they come on the earth, they accomplish the purposes of God. And you and I both are participants in that conversion. We're participants in that marriage between heaven and earth. We're participants in that place where glory and peace come and begin to move upon the earth through us, in us, around us. We're, we're participants. Charles Spurgeon has said, infinite and an infant, eternal and yet born of a woman, almighty yet hanging on a woman's breast, supporting a universe, and yet needing to be carried in mother's arms. King of angels, and yet reputed son of Joseph. Heir of all things, and yet the carpenter's despised son. Jesus comes in, in, his, in and steps into humanity and takes on what humanity has. He now identifies, God himself is now identifying with his creation at a level that was far different than any other, any other way that he would do it. Dan Schaefer has said, Christmas celebrates the awesome and the amazing fact that God is grander, wiser, and more mysterious than we could have imagined. I mean, what, what, you know, this Christmas story, what an amazing story. God takes on humanity. He becomes us. And the mess that we are. We, we were having lunch yesterday and just talking about people and dealing with people. And I said, you know, I said, there's a country western song that has helped my theology a lot. Might not help all your theology, but it helps mine. It says, God is great, beer is good, and people are crazy. 
I don't know how God feels about beer, but he knows that people are crazy. And he stepped into the middle of this zoo and became human. I don't listen to country music. I just I saw that on a plaque. And T. Wright has said, Christmas is God lighting a candle. You don't light a candle in a room that is already full of sunlight. You light a candle in a room that is so murky that the candle, when lit, reveals just how bad things are. God knew when he, what he was getting into when the word became flesh. He wasn't surprised. He wasn't afraid. He was actually excited. Because as the word became flesh, on another day it was appointed that the final word would be, it's finished. It's finished. God has set right the murkiness. God has set right the craziness. Now, he's still setting it right. We're not, we're not through the process yet. But we are farther down the road as humanity than we've ever been before. Isaiah 9. You're very familiar with these verses. But there will be no gloom for who, there will be no gloom for her who is in anguish. In the former time, I brought into contempt the, the land of Zebulon, the land of Neptali. And in latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea and the land beyond Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness has seen a great light. The candle has been lit. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you with the joy at harvest as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as in the day of Midian. For each boot of trampling warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for fire. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. You know, this, this single event, the word becoming flesh, God incarnate, a virgin becoming pregnant, this single event, as it happened, it, it wasn't just a passing of humanity's voices. 
This wasn't just a, another historical event that people talk about. Some people remember, most people forget, and we don't feel it has any real impact or any, any real effect on who we are and how we live. This event was different. This birth is the deline delineated mark that reshaped how humanity was going to move forward. From this point, God himself has stepped into humanity. And from this point, humanity is going to move forward in a whole different manner than what it's moved before. Glory and peace have been released on the earth, and they can't be put back in the box. We all have our days where we're going, where is the glory? Where is the peace? We all have those days. But I'm telling you, it's out of the box. And it's running wild on the earth. It doesn't feel like it every day that I live, but what I know, if I look at the sum total of 67 years, it's wild and it's loose and glory and peace are on the earth. And they won't be put back in the box because they're part of his government. And his government is forever. The nations can rage. People can plot. Hamans will build their gallows. All that stuff still goes on. But glory and peace is wild on the earth. I was... Just a couple weeks ago, Harold was speaking down to uh, Abundant Life Church, and I'll probably get the, uh, some of the numbers wrong, but it, where they're wrong, they're at least close. I, I, you know, I learned that from government economics. <laughs> uh, except theirs aren't even close. <laughs> uh, Harold was sharing how, at the time he was there, I don't know if it's true now, but Linda was in Pakistan, uh, and they were doing revival services in Pakistan, where hundreds of thousands of people come together in an open-air area to hear the gospel preached. Linda has assigned to her four bodyguards with automatic weapons that don't leave her at any given moment. But in Pakistan, right now, 17,000 people are becoming believers daily. I'm telling you, glory and peace is wild on the earth. You know, it, we, we live in this kind of Western culture, United States, Sussex County, Greenwood bubble. And I'm telling you, you need to pop that sucker because God is so much bigger than, than the time we can stop putting manure on the field. December the 15th, by the way. Don't be caught doing it. You'll be in trouble. Yep. So glory and peace have been released on the earth. And it cannot be put back in the box. Humanity, sinner and saint alike, are compelled to move forward by the light of the world. I said this a couple of weeks ago. We don't even know what it means, or not what it means. We don't know what it's like to exist living 
outside of grace. The grace of God is manifest in all of humanity. Humanity has no concept of what it is to be outside of God's grace. Sinner and saint alike. The invitation is to come. I, I was during worship, you know, we were, um, we, were, we were using the terminology of come, come, you know, we do that a lot. And I was just mindful of the fact that in Revelation 20, 21, while we're busy saying, Lord, come, God's standing in the New Jerusalem saying, come. He's the one saying, come. He's the one saying, it's all been prepared for you. The table's set. Your chair has your name on it. Come, come. Yeah. So uh, we're moving forward by the light of the world. I mean, that's, he's, he is moving humanity in its fullness. And love has become the new change agent of humanity. And again, it doesn't always feel that way. It doesn't always look that way. We can always find what, what we would consider to be the exception. But it's not the exception. It's just it hasn't caught up with love yet. It will be converted. Because love is the change agent now. It's been that way since this baby showed up. No, it doesn't. From generation to generation, past image bearers, the cloud of witnesses, join with the host of heaven to declare to and through the present generations of image bearers who are preparing the way for the next generations of image bearers, the mystery, the power, and the glory of Yahweh to the world. We, none of us, stand individually. We are all connected to those that have already walked this walk, to those that are currently walking this walk, and what we are doing now is making the way for those that will come after us to walk this walk. We're all interconnected. It's the flow of the kingdom. When I come in now, I'm a part of that. I'm a part of that connection. Of the increase of his government, there will be no end. And as that government continues to increase, every knee bows and every tongue confesses the joy of Christ's lordship. He's reconciling all things to himself. All things are from him, they exist through him, and they return to him. Which means he hasn't lost anything. You might not know where you are. He knows where you are. I just wish he would tell me a little more often where I set my phone down. <laughs> Charles Spurgeon has said, when the Lord Jesus has become your peace, remember that there's another thing. Goodwill towards men. Do not try to create, do not try to keep Christmas without goodwill towards men. And Frederick Buchner has said, it's impossible to conceive how different things would have turned out if that birth, Jesus, had not happened 
whenever, wherever, and however it did. For millions of people have lived since. The birth of Jesus made possible not just a new way of understanding life, but a new way of living it. It is a truth that for 20 centuries, there have been untold numbers of men and women who in untold number of ways have been so grasped by the child who was born, so caught up in the message he taught, that the life and the life he lived, that they have found themselves profoundly changed by their relationship with him. There's a little leaven that's put in the loaf, and ultimately it leavens the whole lump. He was the initial. Hey, I'm speaking here. Think about it for a moment. I, I, I've, I've been this this I, this thought has just been rolling around in me. It's like we 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 are the connection of the generations. We are the present at the moment. But my time is fleeting, and on another day, I'm part of the cloud of witnesses. But another whole generation are the ones that are present in the moment. And each of us are leaving levels of inheritance for the next generations. Each of us, we do it differently. It's according to our assignments. You know, it's not a, this is not a comparison thing. It's just, it's a their thing. We leave an inheritance. And we are all sitting here today, the recipients of inheritance. You know, I, I could, just in, in one piece of Bible software, I probably can call up, I don't know, there's, I haven't numbered them, but there's at least 30 different commentaries I have at my disposal just by hit, hitting the button, swiping the page. Those are 30, a compilation of books that at least a minimum of 30 authors, because a lot of the commentaries were written by many authors, but at least, as if we just take 30, that's 30 people who at some time from early church history to, to current church history have taken the time to, to write out a commentary on the scriptures. You know, when I first became a believer, you don't have to do it now, but there was this thing called, and it was a book, and it was called Strong's Concordance. And it was about that big that way. It was about that big that way. And it was that thick. And you had to have a wagon to pull the thing around. But this guy named Strong's had gone through and had numbered and referenced every word in the scriptures and given you the meanings both in Hebrew and Greek. I mean, he had given his life for that. You know, he, didn't, he, didn't, he didn't do that in two weekends. You know, I, I have in, I don't have it on my bookshelf now. It's, I don't even know if I have it. But I, I, 
the, the commentary by Albert Barnes, again, which was a commentary when I first became a believer, I used all the time. And it, it was like an Encyclopedia Britannica across the bookshelf. I mean, every book, except for a few of the very small ones, it had their own book. And again, Albert Barnes had taken the time to write, to study, to bring in the Hebrew, to bring in the Greek, to bring in the Aramaic, to bring in the culture, so that I had the privilege of looking at a verse and going, I don't, I don't think I know what it means. I wonder what Albert says about it. And I would look at it, and Albert would tell me what he had to say about it. The past, the now, and the future. The inheritance, the heritage, the wealth. You know, we, we, can all, we all have our favorite Bible translations. But even the ones I don't care for, somebody invested a lot of time and energy to bring that onto the earth. And God sees them for what they did not how much I agree or disagree with what they did. Because his scale's different. He knows with every one of us in this room and with those past, with those present, with those yet to come, he, he knows and is already settled with himself that when we say yes, trouble begins. Because when we say, yes, my humanity comes along with me, my biases come along with me, my, you know, all those things, they all come along with me, and my, my yes, for as, as pure as I would like it to be, it's a mixture. But what he said and is doing is in the midst of our yes, as imperfect as our yes might be, he, through the power of the Holy Spirit, will breathe righteousness, peace, and joy into that yes. And it'll bring something out of it that'll be beyond us. Because I got news for you, you're not going to one-up him. <laughs> no matter how much we pull it off, at the end of the day, we can go, Daddy, 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 look what I did, look what I did, look what I did. He'll go, oh, that's really good, that's really good. Have you seen this? And you're going, where did that come from? He goes, oh, I did that before you got started. Because <laughs> you're not going to one-up him. So in this Christmas season, let us celebrate the glory of his coming the peace that it brings, and the opportunity to do goodwill to whoever we meet, whatever condition they're in. You know, I said a few weeks ago, sometimes the most loving act that we do doesn't appear very loving to the one that we give it to. Love anyway. Just love. Do goodwill. I don't know, I think they're taking advantage of me. Yeah, they might. Don't bother keeping score. He keeps score. And his measuring stick is just. Mine, eh, not so much.
It's getting better. But it's still got room to go to improve. So anyway, that, that's my thoughts for today. Don't forget, Friday night, we're doing service Friday night this coming week. And then you got Christmas Day off to eat your figgy pudding. Yes, absolutely. The community blessing. Get your food over to the Hastings. Make sure it's on the, the, the porch there, the center door of the porch, to, at, by 11 on Tuesday, so it can be uh, delivered. You know, dress it up. It is Christmas. I would suggest getting some Christmas cards and including some Christmas cards in it. I'm going to write a, a note from the church again, kind of a Christmas note from all of us. Um, as always, if you're, get, if you're sensing a prophetic word or something like that, include it. Um, and whatever you want to either buy or make, uh, let's just bless them up really, really good for Christmas this year. The Milford Hospital ER. But I don't know how much, like to for them Dry to stuff. to first, yeah. Yes. So yeah, have that uh, by to, to the Hastings house. If you didn't bring it in today, just have it to their house before Tuesday at 11 and the center porch door is open so you can walk in and drop off whatever you got to drop off. So really cool what's, what's happening there. So. Okay, let's stand. If you need prayer, feel free to come up. The team would love to pray for you. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for all that's just unfolded through, through worship and through our hearts, just being drawn deeper into you. And Lord, as we go through this season, we pray for the families that this is a struggle, that these are difficult seasons, not, uh, not seasons filled with joy. We pray for those families, oh God, that you will be the God of comfort to them, that you will speak and their hearts will hear. 
that you see them, you know where they're at, you're, you're carrying their burdens. Lord, may we as families celebrate and enjoy one another and celebrate this season. And Lord, I thank you that when freedom comes, you like a good party.